This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. Thanks for um, and thanks for trying something that may be new for you. Um, I'm excited to take some steps forward. Uh, there's there's this. Um, I have no clue where the quote comes from, but there's these athletic shorts that, I, that I've been wearing lately, except I don't have this pair. Anyways, there's a logo on one of them that says, nothing changes if nothing changes. Um, it's brilliantly simple and profound, right? Like, we all talk about how we want to grow and be different, except something has to change, otherwise nothing's going to change. Um, and so I kind of feel that way with our faith. Um, I'm, I've been wanting more, and God's like, hey, okay, I'm not holding back. What are you doing, son? Um, nothing changes if nothing changes. So, Dad Gummit, we're going we're gonna to go at this together, all right? So today, man, we are starting a series called The Fullness of Life, and this is something that God has been pressing into me um, for a while now, and I'm, I'm incredibly excited to explore it together. Um, I, I will admit that this is, this is like real-time uh, faith and growth for me. I'm not like over here, and I'm, I'm right here with everybody figuring out like, all right, what, how do we get there, right? How do we move forward? And so um, I am I'm pumped to get going for this. So Here's the deal. I don't know all of you. I don't know all of you really well. Um, I don't know all of your friends, all of your family, all of your neighbors. Um, but, but here's one thing I do know without question, 100%, every single one of you, I know this about you. And I know this about your, your dads and your sisters and your aunts and your uncles and your neighbors. Um, and that is, I love stick figures. It's about all I can draw. Um, that's pretty good, right? Legs are a little disproportionate, but it's all right. Here's what I know about you and me and every one of us, guaranteed 100% to be true, is that we are all on a journey actively seeking the fullness of life. Every single one of us wants to get here. We want to make the most out of life, right? Like we want to live life to the full. We want today to be the, the best that it possibly can be. All of the options laid out, we want to choose in consecutive order every option that leads us to the fullest of today. And, and we want to do that every day for the rest of our lives so that when we get down to the end of life, when we get to tomorrow, we can say like, man, really, I didn't miss any opportunities. I don't have any regrets. I lived life to the full. There's a 13th century um, friar and priest by the name of Thomas Aquinas, and he said, there is within every soul a thirst for happiness and meaning. There's within every soul a thirst for happiness and meaning, right? Like, t- tell me he's wrong. Tell me that's not true for you today. Or like, tell me that's not what you want in your life, and that's not what your friends want and your parents want. Every single one of us wants to make the most out of life. So if you're given two options, right, if you're given the option for a burger or a hot dog, you know, you're going to choose what you believe will, will satisfy you more. That may be different today than tomorrow, but in the moment, right, if both options are laid there, you're going to choose what you think will satisfy you more. Now, your option may be, I think both are going to satisfy me more. You might double fist it, right? Um, But we're going to make that decision based on what will satisfy us more. Someone asks you for a date, and you're like, man, well, what do I do here? The decision is going to be made based on what you think will lead to the greater level of happiness and satisfaction. Am I going to enjoy this person? 
I know that I'm not going to enjoy this person, but do I fear more hurting someone's feelings, right? Like we're going to make a decision based on what for us will most satisfy us and, and lead us to happiness. What career do I take? Well, what do I value more? Do I value a good work environment more? Do I value money more? Do I value, you know, the opportunity for advancement more? Do I value flexibility and schedule more? Like what we're going to choose every single one of us at every moment of every day what we think will lead us toward the fullness of life. Now you may you may sit there and be thinking like Corey, I got you. I'm going to walk up to a choice, and I'm going to knowingly choose the wrong thing. I'm going to knowingly choose what's bad for me. I'm going to knowingly choose what I know doesn't lead me toward this, at which point I would say, no, your fullness of life is sticking it to the man, and you want to you know, buck the system a little bit, and that's what ultimately gives you the greatest pleasure, and so that's why you're going to knowingly choose the bad option. We may do something that we know, we know like this, this is going to have bad consequences. This is going to go south. But in that moment, we are going to choose in that moment what we think will satisfy us the most in that moment, even if we know the next day is going to be miserable. Even the person that says, I can't do life anymore, it's the worst and they opt to end their life, their belief of what will most satisfy is ending their life. That's how we operate. We simply choose what we believe will lead us closer towards this end, towards satisfaction and happiness and pleasure. Were we, was I right, 100% right with everybody here? Participation a little bit, yes, no? Okay, cool. If, if you are saying no, then I'm gonna, I'm gonna call you a liar. Um, because I just believe that's how we're made. That's how we are wired as people, and that's okay. Like We don't have to feel weird that we want to maximize life. We don't have to feel off that we want to pursue what's gonna make us happy and satisfied and lead to the fullness of life. Like We don't have to be like, that's, that's not right. Something's not right about that. Um, the, the great Puritan pastor, uh, Jonathan Edwards, um, no one really ever questioned his like, devotion to God, and, and he even says, each person necessarily craves happiness. It is a necessary function of life. There is a, this is a universal appetite of human nature that is alike in the good and the bad. So we just have to agree right now that the reason you are here and in this chair or, or in the overflow room or watching online, the reason you are doing what you are doing in this moment is because you believe ultimately it leads towards what is best and the fullness of life for you. That it leads you towards what is happy. So now the question we have to ask, the first question and if you're a note taker, actually it might be printed for you at the bottom, is what are you pursuing as the hope of your satisfaction? What is it that you are chasing that you are believing and hoping will ultimately satisfy you and, and leave you happy and filled and lead you towards the most full and complete life? What is it that you are chasing and seeking after? Because we are all actively seeking something right here all of us, what are you seeking? And the second question you have to ask is, 
Is it the right thing? Are you chasing and pursuing the right thing? That if you actually grab hold of whatever it is that you're looking after, it's going to satisfy you. Are you, are you, what are you chasing and is it the right thing? If you're like, I, I don't really know what it is that I want most, um, answer this. What in life, if you could have right now, if you could pick one thing to, to give you the most happiness, what would it be? And be honest with yourself, right? Like, we do no good kidding ourselves. Like, oh, I, I just want to be the nicest person ever. Like, okay, maybe, but maybe not. Let's be honest with ourselves. What is it right now that you're like, I truly believe this is what would make me happiest right now. What could you not live without? If it was taken away, your life would spiral out of control, right? That you would struggle to, to move forward. What do you spend the most energy on? What do you think about the most? What dominates your thoughts and your anxieties and your worries? It's important. We've got to figure out first what this is because we're all seeking some definition of this, some measure of it, it whether we like We are seeking that, and we need to know if it's worth it. Like We need to know if this is going to satisfy us or if we're going to get down to the end of the road and go, well, crap. I just blew it and wasted life. What a miserable life to keep running and running and running and running and running and to look around and realize you're not moving anywhere. It's exhausting. It's miserable. So, I have some life water here. I thought it worked out well, but it was called life water. So I grabbed it. So we're all chasing things in life, and we're going to pour our lives into something. And so the question then becomes, is it going to satisfy us, or will it catch water for a little bit, but then ultimately just end up empty? For a lot of us, we chase after control or autonomy or power. The thing we want most in life is to be in control we, we don't want someone else telling us what to do. We don't want to not be able to make our own decisions. We don't want to submit our lives to the authority of someone else, right? Like we want to call the shots. We think we know best for ourselves. And when someone else tells us how to live and what to do, it just, we, we can't handle that. We don't want to trust other people. And so we think that control is the answer, but it just, it just leaves us looking for, for more. I don't know where to put this now. We'll go here. Others of us, we long for security, affirmation, love, right? Like we just think if we find that special person, if we get married and have a family, that one person who's going to commit to our lives, that it's going to give us everything we want, and we pour our lives into relationships and into being accepted and to being known and to being valued, and at the end of the day, people let us down. And our satisfaction, our hope, our joy, it just seeks out the bottom. This is my biggest struggle. I, I, I want to, like, the, the worst thing you can do to me is, is for me to trust you and feel safe with you, and then you betray that. That's how I'm wired, where I just, I want security. I want to know that I'm loved and taken care of by you. But at the end of the day, no person can ultimately do that. We all know that. People are going to let us down at some level. 
Our culture thrives on lust and sex and pleasure and happiness. And man, this one is probably one of the ones that I think drains the fastest. For an instant, we're like, yes, and then it's just gone. And we hate ourselves, and we know that did not live up. And yet somehow the devil has sunk some deep hooks in us when it comes to pleasure and lust and sex and just like, what if it feels good, go for it. Do it. You're great. You're your own person, your own body. Go for it. Another one I see a lot of is money or comfort, right? Like we will devote our lives to making sure we're secure, to making sure that we have comfort, um, to making sure that that we have a good job that's going to make us let us let it pay well. I mean, we will just sacrifice fulfillment in a vocation because we know that there's security in this paycheck. And we'll be miserable through it. And at the end of the day, we're going to die and nobody takes their money with them. It's going to go to somebody else who's going to spend it in some different way. And so we know, man, this just this just runs just comes up short. Another one that that people pour their lives into is religion. I'll be a good moral person. You know what? It doesn't work. Leaks out the bottom. Because none of us are good enough, and we know it. We know it. But we think if I can just be a religious person, that will satisfy me. That will make me feel good. I'll be a, a good person. I talked to um, one of my friends at the gym, and he was like, yeah, you know, that the, the purpose and the happiness of life is in being good to others. I'm like, yeah, that's going to make you feel good, but... It's ultimate, it can't satisfy you. It's going to fall short. We've been doing this since the very beginning. In Jeremiah 2.13, God says, My people have committed a double evil. One, they have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they have dug cisterns for themselves. Cracked cisterns that cannot hold water. Cisterns were like clay pots. It's how communities kept their water, that kept them alive. And he's saying, you've dug a cistern, a pot that is cracked, and it's just going to leak out the bottom. you're, You're forsaking living water for something that will never, ever, ever satisfy. And a lot of these things aren't bad. You know, money's not a bad thing. Sex is not a bad thing. Affection and affirmation is not a bad thing. But it's when we think that those are the things that are ultimately going to give us the fullness of life that we're going to wake up one day and realize that it's all sunk out the bottom and it has left us empty and dry and broken and desperate for more and wondering where do we go wrong. This is the temptation of the devil. This is his aim. John 10.10 says the thief has come only to steal kill and destroy and so he wants to paint some pretty picture on some object that's never going to satisfy and attach our hearts to it and all it's doing is leading us to a path that's going to steal kill and destroy and it may not be a right away it may be a a week or a month or a year or 10 years but at some point he's going to pull the rug out from under us and we're going to be left crumbling down because we built on a foundation that could not satisfy us I love this quote um, from C.S. Lewis that the aim of the devil is to build an ever-increasing craving for an ever-diminishing pleasure. The devil wants to build an ever-increasing craving 
for human connection, something that's good, but ultimately that is an ever-diminishing pleasure because it is broken and flawed. He wants to build an ever-increasing craving for comfort and satisfaction and security and money, and it's an ever-diminishing pleasure. And our hearts are increasingly thrown towards it, and he's just pulling it away and pulling it away, and we're left broken and wondering, I thought I found this, and yet I'm empty and missed And they think, how, how, do, how do you know that none of these things will satisfy, right? Like, didn't, didn't, you just, didn't you just pull the plug out of the bottom? Yes, I did, you know. But how do we know ultimately that human relationship or that, that success in a career or that comfort or that fine? How do we know that that's not the answer, right? How do we know that, that being my own person and finding my own way and having great friends and great food, like, how do we know that that's not the fullness of life? And I think, A, we can start subjectively, and we just know from experience, right? Like, we all know that we have put our eggs in a basket that has let us down. We all know that we have tried to grab hold of something, and it leaves us broken and looking for more. But history shows it's the same, The book of Ecclesiastes is written by King Solomon who had just money on top of money on top of money on top. Like he bought and planted entire forests. Like we can't keep a plant alive at our house. Like our trees are dying. And he's like, hey, yeah, plant some, plant the cypress over there. And let's have the, 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 you know, the oak trees over there. Like he's got an entire forest. And then he's like, hey, let's throw parties that will go from night to night to night to night to night. And everything that everybody could possibly want, bring it in. We're going to hit that. We're going to go. We're going to do this. And then he wakes up and he goes, this isn't satisfying. I'm still looking for more. How many times have we gone out one night and we're like, this is great, this, this pleasure is amazing, and then we wake up and we go, well, crap, it was fleeting, it's not here anymore. I got a stupid headache and now I look back at the decisions I made and that was dumb. We think, man, I'm going to invest all this money and then the stock market crashes and we go, I didn't even do that. We're putting all of our hopes in things that, that don't add up. How many of you have watched the, the documentary that, that T. Swift did? Come on, don't be, don't, know. come on. How many of you have watched the Taylor Swift documentary? I see some half-hearted, like, that was me. It's good, it's a good documentary. But she talks about how she sold out stadiums, and it wasn't enough. She started in this small thing, right, this small venue, and she climbed the ranks to where she was at the top of her industry, and it wasn't enough. She had to put out another album that was better. She had to do more, better, faster, and it was this endless cycle that was exhausting her, and she knows it. In the depths of her heart, she knows it. She said it in the documentary. There's an author. His name is Jack Higgins. He has many New York Times bestsellers. He bought his own island. Right, like if you look at the measurements of the world, like who's made it, if you bought an island, yeah, you're doing all right. And so he's being interviewed one time, and they said, Jack, what would, what would you wish somebody could go back and tell the teenage self of you? And this, this statement is deep. Remember, he's got his own island. He's got everything. And he said, I wish someone would have told me that when you get to the top, there's nothing there. 
Y'all were chasing the fullness of life. And in so many ways, so many things that we chase after, it is an ever-diminishing pleasure that is going to leave us broken and lost and wishing that we would have done something different. This is so often how we live. We think we're getting here, and in reality, we're just going. I'm t- I don't know about you, but I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of chasing and chasing and running and running and, and living life and putting on a face and putting on some projection and then getting home at the end of the day and knowing deep in my soul it didn't fill. I'm tired of having success or accolades and knowing that it's just, it's not really what I long for. I'm tired of singing songs about graves into gardens and it just falling flat just being words on a screen that we sing to a guitar. I'm tired of it for us. I'm tired of it for, I'm just tired. But the great news is that it doesn't have to be that way. Is that there is an answer that we can pour our lives into and it won't let us down. It won't, it, won't, it won't fall short. It won't leak out the bottom. We can pour everything we have. And then we can move on to the next bottle and just keep pouring our lives into this answer. And it just fills and fills and fills and fills and fills and fills and fills. Or do we want to chase a life that leaks out the bottom and we know is never going to satisfy us? Psalm 1611. It says, you have made known to me the path of life. In your presence is the fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. In John chapter 4, Jesus meets a woman at a well, and he has a conversation with her, and she's thrown her life into relationships, thinking that if she finds that right man, she'll finally be satisfied. And Jesus says, you've been married five times, and now you're on the sixth man, and he's not even your husband. And he didn't say this to condemn her. John 3, 17 said Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn her. He said this to draw attention to the fact that she was putting her life in an empty bucket. She was throwing her life in a relationship that was going to let her down. And so Jesus said this to her, though, in verse 13 of chapter 4. Everyone who drinks of this water, who pours their life into something else, will be thirsty again. But... Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. And he's not talking physical thirst. He's talking soul satisfaction. 
that if we drink of what Jesus gives us, we will never be thirsty again. Augustine, he said, you have created us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Here's a strong statement. If there's any aspect of you right now that is restless, I would propose propose to you that at some level you're trusting in something that is going to let you down. And that's why our hearts are restless. And God invites us for more. He invites us to have the fullness of life in his presence. He invites us to have more. In um, Philippians chapter 3, Paul, he says in verse 7, Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Paul, who had so many things that we seek after, he had success and fame and power and wealth. He had all that, and then he encountered Christ, and he said, those all pale in comparison to knowing Christ. Not only are they, you know, man, they're, they're rubbish, they're garbage, they're filth. Like, in comparison to Christ, even these good things just pale in comparison. And then not only that, I love this fact, verse 12, he says, not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus made me my own. Paul is saying, man, this is all garbage to knowing Christ. But then he says, but I haven't even known Christ fully. Like there's so much more to know of Christ, this surpassing worth, this surpassing value. And get this fact that there is no ceiling we will ever reach for the abundance of God. Like, we will never get to the place where we go, ha, I got all of God, that's it. Ever, in all of eternity, heaven will be spent in an ever-increasing abundance of joy in the presence of God. No ceiling, no cap, no max. And that can begin today. We can know him today, and then we can have more tomorrow, and we can have more the next day. Our joy in him can increase exponentially, infinitely in his presence. I'm a visual learner, and so imagine that, imagine that after church you go on a hike down in the green belt, and you are walking along, and you see this cave just kind of off to the right, like, you know, up against the walls, and, and you're feeling bold and intrigued, and you're like, ah, oh, a cave, you know, like, yeah, I'm feeling, feeling adventurous, and so you go and you climb in, and you get in there, and you pull out your flashlight or your phone light or whatever it is, and you look around, and wall to wall in this cave that opens up is just Gold on top of gold on top of gold. Just chests of gold bars and coins and just all kinds of gold. This treasure. How would you feel if that happened? Nothing. I, I freak out when I find a $10 bill in my pocket. You know? Come on. You know that's true. You're like, what? where did this come from? You know? And you, your day is set. So just imagine with me, put yourself in this scenario where you walk in and you walk into this this cave and it's just full of gold and you're like freaking out. You start, heart starts pounding, you don't have to breathe, like I can't breathe right now. So man, you you take off and what do you do? You're trying to figure out how to get that gold. You go home and you sell your car and people are like, why are you selling your car? You're like, I got to buy this backhoe because I got to get inside this cave, you know, and they're like, what are you talking about? It's It's all good, it doesn't matter. You don't care what people think because you got this cave of gold right? I don't care if you think I'm an idiot. Wait till I'm cashing in my bars of gold. Who's an idiot then, huh? 
And so we're just freaking out. And so we're like, oh my gosh. Now get this, right? So say you're in there one day and you're just looking at all your gold, man. You're like Scrooge. You're just throwing around all these gold coin ducktails, just swimming in the gold. Ducktails, I just dated myself. That's terrible. Nobody knows what. Thank you. We got a couple ducktail fans. You're just swimming in this gold, and then you're, you're looking at it, and you're exploring it, and you're like, gosh, this is unique, and this is incredible. And then you get to this chest, and you, you open it up, but your eye is caught by something. And you're like, hold on, time out, what? There's like some rocks in this chest, but if you move it aside, there's another pathway. And you go through it, and it just leads to another cave. And it's got gold and diamonds on top of diamonds on top of diamonds. Man, you're like, dude, this... I'm going to start selling some engagement rings right now, right? You just start thinking about all the, and you got just all this gold and diamonds and your mind is blown. And then, no, time out, hold on, hold on. You go a little further back and there's another cave and it's got gold and diamonds and rubies and jewels and you're like, what am I supposed to do with all this? And you keep going and there's another cave, right? It's this endless progression of caves and, and you're, not, you're not hating that you're living here. But then when you get here, you're like, oh my gosh, there's so much more. I didn't even know. And then you get here, and you're like, oh my gosh, there's so much more. I didn't even know. And God is saying that he is an endless progression of abundance of joy, and yet we settle for nonsense back here. We pour our hearts into things that will never satisfy, and he's like, come on. We've got the fullness of life ahead of you. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, Jesus tells a story just like this. He says, The kingdom of heaven, a relationship with God is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. What what do the next few words say? Then, in his, what? Joy. What does he do? Goes and does what? sells everything he has this life that he is living up man let's just say that it is like the pinnacle of life he's living it up but he finds this treasure and in his joy he says man that life does nothing to compare to this treasure i'll get rid of everything and jesus is saying that's what it's like to know god so here's here's my thought I've yet to encounter God at a level where I would enjoy give up everything. What about y'all? I've yet to encounter God at this level that with joy, man, I, cool, I don't care. I got something so much greater. That tells me that there's so much more to be had in Christ than I've yet to experience. And that is what I'm saying enough. I don't, I don't want to live like that anymore. Not if it's offered to me. Not if the real fullness of life is offered to me, why would I settle? There's this great quote from C.S. Lewis. He says, if we consider the unblemishing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. 
We all want this. Every single one of us. And the devil's aim is to destroy our lives by getting us to chase after things that will never satisfy. And God is inviting us to the fullness of life found in his presence. Why would we want to settle for anything less? Why would we want to trust the devil that tells us anything less is worth it? Real quick, because I think that I think this is important, and we're going to talk more about this next week. But what makes God so incredible? Nope. This way. Nope. Yep. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you. Oh dear. Awesome. Um, we'll go with blue. We talked about it. We'll talk about it frequently. God is one God existing as three persons: Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And for all of eternity, the Father has been generously giving love to the Son and generously giving love to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has generously been giving love to the Father, generously giving love to the Son, and the Son has generously been giving love to the Holy Spirit, generously giving love to the Father. God in himself exists in abundant life. The life we desire, the fullness of life, is God himself. Perfect love, perfect relationship, perfect community, perfect humility, perfect sacrifice. Perfect surrender, perfect compassion, perfect grace. Everything is simply in God himself. Listen to this. He did not need us. He didn't need the world. He didn't need to create anything. And he could have lived for eternity in perfection. The abundance of life, the continual increase of joy, God could have had simply on his own. He does not need us, but in his He chose to create a world, he chose to create us, to invite us into this abundance of life. His love is so generous that he creates a world and invites us to join in his fullness of life. And we, in our selfish ambition, said, thank you for your generosity, I'm going to take it and do my own thing. And we have arrogantly rebelled against him. God didn't need us. He generously creates us to join in him. We rebel against him. And then God himself in Jesus says, I'll come and fix what they broke. I'll come and live life that they were supposed to live. And then I will suffer for their sins on the cross so that their record of debt, the obstacle against us, can be removed. And in his resurrection, offers us a way to be restored back into this abundance of life. This fullness of life that we seek after is impossible without Jesus. That is why he is worth it. 
because on his own, he is the fullness of life, with or without us. And in his generosity, he has made a way for us to join in that infinitely increasing joy that makes him worth it, that makes him valuable. That is why we sing, and not some ho-hum, like, oh yeah, like you saved me, you paid my debt in full, woohoo. No. We rebelled against this God, and in his love, he came and got us, and paid the price for us, and did everything we needed so that we can have this. That means we celebrate, not because we have to, but because for some reason he loves us enough to come and get us. And so we praise him, and we walk in the fullness of life because he's worth it. And a relationship with him is better than all of this nonsense. And he's not holding back from us. Right here, right now, we can know the fullness of life like we have never known before because of his love for us. And that's the invitation he gives us. And so we're just going to, we're going to spend the next few weeks talking about this. How do we have, how do we get to the fullness of life? How do we move from here to here? The first step is faith in Jesus. Trust what he's done. Trust that he, did. He, was, he was the one necessary to do what we could. And the Bible says when we trust in him, and we repent from, from doing our own things, running this way, trust in him, God saves us and makes us righteous and sets us on the path of the fullness of life. But then, I don't know about you, but if this is offered to me, I don't want to settle here. Neither do you. Because we're created to seek the fullness of life. Let's not settle here, or here, or here, or here, Let's, let's take hold of all that Jesus gave his life for us to have. Let's not insult what Christ has done by settling for less than what he paid the price for. By faith in him, let's grab hold of everything. And that will lead to the glory for God and our greatest joy that we cannot even fathom. Ephesians 3 says God is able to do far more abundantly than all we can think and imagine. So everything right now that your mental capacity is imagining this is, God's like, hey, I can do far more abundantly than all you can think and imagine. Let's go. Buckle up. And so that's what we're doing. That's where we're going. That's the invitation. I don't want to settle I don't want to settle. If the invitation is to know God in such a way that with joy I would get rid of everything to have more of him, that's what I want. I want that. And I believe you do too. I really do. So that's what we're going to do. We're not going to settle. We're going to keep reaching and grabbing hold of everything that God offers us to his glory and to our good. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.